Before I start this episode, I would like to give a warning that I'm going to be discussing sexual assault and rape. I understand if you would like to stop listening, your mental well-being is of the utmost importance. If you have experienced a sexual assault and need help, I have linked resources in the UK, the US and Australia in the show notes. These websites will provide you with locations of rape crisis centres, advice on how to move forward and numbers you can call if you need to talk to somebody about what you've experienced. Please reach out if you are in need of help. You do not have to go through this alone. So with that being said, this episode will include details that may make you feel upset or uncomfortable. Listen with caution. Show my friend, yeah. Welcome back to Hometown Homicide. I'm your host, Jolene. It's really weird saying that after being away for like four months, I think it is. Thank you guys so much for all the support over my time away. I really, really needed the break, as a lot of you can probably understand with how shit 2020 has been for everybody. But it's a new year and hopefully it will bring new opportunities and it's also brought new audio. So I have new audio now and I'm really excited about that because it's very important when you are podcasting to have good audio. No one's going to want to listen to you otherwise. So I appreciate everybody who stood by me through the um, recording in a wheelie bin sound. <laughs> but now we are on to bigger and better things, guys. So that's great. And also I had 2000 downloads whilst I was away. So that was a massive achievement for me. Thank you so much to old listeners and new ones. If you're new starting today, listen to the back catalogue. It's pretty interesting. Anyway, enough about me and on to the case this week. I had been looking at this case for quite a while before I even started podcasting and it was one of the cases that made me want to podcast because nobody really talks about this at all and it really did stick with me for a number of reasons that we will get into as we go on. This week I'm discussing the case of Janet Cummins, a 15 year old girl whose life was taken from her and the subsequent lives that were destroyed in the wake of her murder. Wednesday the 7th of January 1976, 15-year-old Janet Cummins snuck out of the bungalow that she shared with her parents on King Edward Drive in Flint, North Wales. She had plans to go swimming with her friends, but her mother Eileen had told Janet that she couldn't go on account of her looking, quote-unquote, a bit pale. Despite this, Janet left her parents a note saying she would be home by half past eight and she went anyway. When his daughter hadn't returned home by 11pm, Ted Cummins called the police and reported Janet missing. After four long, terrifying days, Ted and Eileen Cummins received the devastating news that Janet's body had been discovered by children playing hide-and-seek in a field near Gwyneth Primary School, just half a mile from their home. Janet's body was found lying face down, hidden beneath dense bushes. She had been killed during a brutal sexual assault. At trial, it was said that Janet had died, quote, as a result of her neck and her external airway being compressed and blocked during the sexual assault, unquote. According to a 2017 BBC article, quote, she had bruising under her chin, abrasions to her neck and a wound on her scalp, unquote. Due to the dirt found on Janet's clothes, the attack was thought to have taken place partly at Gorsev Circle, an area around a three-minute walk from her home. It's thought that her body was dragged to the area where it had been found and there were signs that she had been left lying face down for quote-unquote some time before being moved. She was found fully clothed with only her shoes missing. 
Police inquiries led to a child placing Janet with two boys at around 10 past 8 on the evening that she went missing, despite her telling friends that she was going to go straight home when they left the pool at 7.30. Janet and the boys were said to have been laughing with one another, so nothing appeared to be wrong when the witness saw them together. He described one of the boys as being thin with fair hair and the other being older, around the age of 17. Police also conducted door-to-door inquiries and 120 officers searched the area around where Janet's body had been found. During their investigation, the day that Janice's body was discovered, they took 18-year-old Noel Jones in for questioning. I could only find one source that said that Jones's girlfriend told the police he had confessed to her that he had killed Janet, but other sources didn't say this and they didn't give a clear reason for why anyone focused on Noel Jones, but he did fit the age range of 17 to 22 that the police were looking into. Jones's friend, Michael Offred, was also arrested with him, but was released without charge. Noel Jones was a traveller from Coidpoith, Wrexham, and describes himself as being barely literate. During his questioning, Jones signed a confession stating that he had killed Janet Cummins. Following this, Noel Jones was convicted of manslaughter, a charge in the UK that is given when a person commits an unlawful act and the death of the victim is not the intention. I would guess that this is because Janet died during the sexual assault, and something in Jones's confession or some other evidence pointed to him not having intended for her to die during the attack. Jones was sentenced to 12 years imprisonment, but only served half of that sentence before being released. Despite it seeming like Janet and her family finally had justice and could now begin to heal, their world would once again be turned upside down in 2016, 40 years after Janet's murder. In the years since his daughter was taken from him, Ted Cummins suffered from a long-term illness that he eventually succumbed to, leaving his wife Eileen and Janet's cousins to suffer the pain that DNA was about to bring to them. During the police's initial inquiries, they had questioned 16-year-old Stephen Hoff, whose grandparents' house overlooked the area where Janice's body was found. But he was ruled out due to his alibi. He told the police he had been stealing petrol from a car that night, and he was fined for the offence. He went on to serve in the army, marry and have two children, whilst Noel Jones served a sentence as a child rapist and murderer. In 2016, Stephen Hoff, now in his late 50s, was separated from his second wife, and working as a long-haul lorry driver when he was arrested for the sexual assault of a 15-year-old girl. He was alleged to have given the girl alcohol before sexually assaulting her and bruising her body. His semen was found in her underwear, along with other DNA samples on the girl's body. This DNA sample was cross-referenced and came up as a a one-in-a-billion match to the sperm cell samples taken from Janet Cummins' body 40 years earlier. The DNA in Janet's case had been re-examined in 2006 as the police still believed there was a chance that there was more than one perpetrator. It did not match Noel Jones or the friend who was arrested with them all those years ago. Huff was questioned about Janet but he gave nothing away during his interview. The murder um, of of Janet Cummings in 1976. Um, What can you you tell me about your involvement in the murder of Janet Cummings in January 1976? No comment. So she's been vaginally raped, anally raped, and during the course of that, she's also suffered suffocation um, around the face and neck. And certainly those injuries that I've specified to you indicate that. Okay? Now, taking into account all those injuries and the cause of death, Stephen, are you responsible for those injuries? No comment. Do you understand what I'm saying to you there in respect to those injuries? I do. 
Okay. Are you responsible for those injuries? No comment. Mouth swab is taken from you. Okay. That swab is loaded onto the DNA database. That swab is a full hit on the semen cell stain from Janet Cummins' trousers in 1976. Now, if you fully understand what I'm saying, if you want me to explain it, I'll explain it to you. So, Stephen, please explain how your semen is on Janet Cummings' trousers. No comment. What reason would there be for that semen stain to be on her trousers? No comment. Is there any explanation that you can give me no, at this yes. time? Are you willing to give an explanation? No comment. Despite having already charged and sentenced Noel Jones, Stephen Hoff was put on trial for Janet's murder too. Hoff was adamant he was innocent, but the jury found him guilty of rape, sexual assault and murder of a 15-year-old Janet Cummins in 1976. They did choose to convict him of manslaughter instead of murder. I'm assuming for the same reasons Noel Jones had been given the same charge. Hoff was sentenced to 12 years for Janet's murder. The evidence of the sexual assault on the other 15-year-old girl was not presented at Hoff's trial for Janet Cummins, but he was tried for the offence after the trial later that day. There was insufficient evidence to prove rape, but enough to prove sexual assault, and Hoff pleaded guilty to serious sexual assault. If you're like me, you might not know the exact difference between these two charges, so I had a look, and I will warn you, it's quite a graphic description, but according to the Metropolitan Police website, quote, Rape is when a person intentionally penetrates another's vagina, anus, or mouth with a penis, without the other person's consent. Assault by penetration is when a person penetrates another person's vagina or anus with any part of the body other than the penis or by using an object without the person's consent. The overall definition of sexual or indecent assault is the act of physical, psychological and emotional violation in the form of a sexual act inflicted on someone without their consent. It can involve forcing or manipulating someone to witness or participate in any sexual acts, unquote. I can only deduce from this that there was not enough physical evidence that Hoff had penetrated his victim with his penis, but there was sperm samples taken from her body and underwear so sexual assault could be proven. He was sentenced to three more years in prison for the attack. In her victim impact statement, the 15-year-old girl said, quote, There hasn't been a day where I haven't been reminded of what happened. It makes me feel sick and upset. It's something I have to deal with for the rest of my life and has impacted me and my family. It's closed me off from the rest of society, unquote. I'd just like to take a second to remind you that there are resources in the show notes if you or someone you know needs any help dealing with the topics that I'm talking about in this episode. Now let's get back to Noel Jones, the man who had already served six years for this crime and had gone on to change his name in an attempt to move on with his life. Jones had always protested his innocence, but in the decades since his release, he's never challenged his conviction until the DNA evidence led police to Stephen Hoff. In 2019, Noel Jones did have his conviction thrown out with Lord Justice Leveson saying he would be, quote, wholly exonerated from involvement in this terrible case, unquote. Jones himself said, quote, Confirmation for everyone to hear that my conviction for these horrible crimes is no more, together with the knowledge that the person who did end Janice's life is in prison, is a great comfort, unquote. The North Wales Police were investigated by the Independent Office for Police Conduct, at the time of investigating Janice's murder, North Wales Police would have been conducting under judges' rules, the guidelines used in police interrogations and evidence collecting back in the 70s. 
Although there was more leeway for police on how they could operate in interrogations, the ICOP stated, quote, Our investigation found insufficient evidence that the officers may have breached the judge's rules to such an extent that it could amount to an offence of perverting the course of justice, misconduct in public order, or a breach of the discipline regulations, unquote. Noel Jones argued that he was kept in the interrogation room for two days without access to his lawyer. However, the ICOP said, quote, The contemporaneous evidence indicates that Mr Jones was detained in custody for a total of 19 hours and signed his statement admitting the offence five hours after arriving at the station, unquote. I have checked how long you can be held in custody legally and according to the UK government website, quote, the police can hold you for up to 24 hours before they have to charge you with a crime or release you. They can apply to hold you for up to 36 or 96 hours if you're expected of a serious crime such as murder, unquote. It does also say that you are offered free legal advice with an independence list available at the police station at all hours. Noel Jones did state that no one was notified of his arrest and he wasn't aware that he was allowed to ask for a solicitor. I should note that the investigation into the police's conduct actually came after, quote, North Wales police raised concerns about the evidence obtained during the 1976 investigation, during the reinvestigation following the arrest of Stephen Hoff in 2016, unquote. Noel Jones also claimed he was deprived of food and water, which any of you seasoned true crime consumers will know that this is often the case with false confessions. Withholding food and water, as well as depriving someone of sleep and keeping them in the same room for hours on end, often comes up in cases of false confessions. Kind of like, you know, your Brendan Darcy and your Stephen Avery, those kind of things. It's along those lines. However, you will remember that I said that Jones signed his confession five hours into his 19-hour interrogation, so I can't make my mind up about what really went on. Officially, there was not enough evidence to prove that the police did anything wrong, but let me know what you think on Twitter, at H underscore H podcast. So now that Noel Jones has had his conviction overturned, and the real killer, Stephen Hoff, is behind bars, what does this mean to Janet's family? Janet's cousins spoke about the aftermath for the family in an S4C documentary that I just couldn't find a copy of online, but I do have some quotes from an article to share instead. Janet's cousin Alison was actually in primary school with Stephen Hoff and said, quote, to find out that it was somebody that I knew and also that Noel Jones played no part in it, someone that you hated for 40 years. It was quite a shock, really, to think that I've been that close to him in school, on school photographs. I don't hate anyone, but I hate him. To think what he put her through, and he's just shown no remorse, still denied it. I hate him. I don't think he should ever come out of prison. And that would make me feel as if justice has been done because the sentence he's had is ridiculous. Unquote. A statement read by Janice's uncle Derek after Hoff's conviction said, quote, It's so galling to think that the person who maliciously and violently took Janet's life has been living in our community for all these years. The difficulty for the family is that he has had a life, been married and had children, but he stole Janet's future and took away an opportunity for Eileen, Ted and the rest of the family to see Janet grow up, get married and have her own children. Today's verdict cannot bring Janet back to us, but hopefully in the weeks and months to come will provide us with some closure. Janice's family have also expressed their sympathy for Noel Jones, believing that he has suffered just as much as they have after Janet's murder. Jones was grateful to them for this. So guys, that was the case of Janet Cummins and the 41 years that it took to bring her killer to justice. If you're like me, you might be left wondering if Janet and the second girl that Hoff attacked are his only victims. I'd love to know what specialists in the field would think of Hoff having 40 years between crimes and if they think that there are more victims. He worked a transient job later in life. We've seen no shortage of predators who have had long-haul truck-driving jobs and they use that as a way to avoid detection over the years. 
Even though he's in prison now and Janice's family have answers, there's still so many questions I have. Let me know what you guys think on social media. Thank you for listening to Janet's story. I've sat with this case for so long and it really just kept unravelling more and more, taking some really dark turns along the way too. If you would like to keep up with Hometown Homicide on Twitter, where I most regularly post updates, you can find me at h underscore h podcast or on Instagram at Hometown Homicide Pod. You can email any case suggestions on hometownhomicidepod at gmail.com and don't forget to rate and review if you like the content I'm producing. If you guys would like some sort of palate cleanser, I know a lot of podcasts offer that, you can check out my puppy's Instagram. They keep me happy. <laughs> they are at Brody underscore and underscore Lyra. And they're two collies. You've probably heard them in the background a little bit because I've had to change my whole recording setup and they are hanging around me now. <laughs> but yeah, thank you guys so much for 2,000 downloads. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing and for recommending me and for messaging me. And I just, I love you guys so much. And until next time, stay safe out there.